Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 210. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw on the mic. How you doing there, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good as well. Right. This week on the Fuck show, down. we'll be reviewing John Favreau's The Jungle Book. We'll also be talking about jungle. some... <laughs> yeah, the old Jungle Book. The old Jungle Book. The old JB. Also be talking about some of what we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. First up, got a bunch of news this week. Lots of controversy happening. Whoa, I didn't hear this. I didn't hear any of this. What do we got going on? First up, okay, there was an interview with the new CEO of AMC Theaters, Adam Aaron. Okay, yeah, I did see that. (laughs) An interview with him in Variety, I believe it was. And in this interview, he says that he would consider allowing texting in some theaters at AMC. Okay. Uh, he says that the times are changing, and these millennials, these damn millennials, they love their texting. Like they, 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 their, their cell phones are an appendage; they're part of them, and yeah. that they need to embrace that. Well. People did not react very kindly to, to these words and the idea of AMC allowing texting in their theaters. Now, my first thing, my first issue that I guess I have with that is that uh, in all the AMCs that I've been in, th- they never disallowed texting. You know what I mean? Like, there's the thing that comes up that says, please don't talk or text, but they but don't no enforce one, it. No one, no one enforces it anywhere. Except for, you know, like this, the... Now, there are some, there are some like theaters... the small movie houses and, like, Alamo draft house and stuff. Yeah. Now, there's, there's some theaters here in the city that, that do it. Um, I go to Bowtie Cinemas, and they're a pretty big chain. Uh, and they actually have, in almost every screening that I've been in, they actually have an usher come in and just kind of check and make sure everything's cool several times, at least twice every screening. Yeah. And that's the way it used to be. Like when I worked at, I worked at a Regal for many years and that's exactly what the ushers had to do. They would have to go in, check the, check the, the sound, check the, you know, to make sure that everything was focused and in frame on the screen. And then also check to make sure there wasn't anybody being disruptive. Yeah. But any of the AMCs I've been to, they don't bother with that. They're like, whatever, we don't care. Yeah. Uh, so that's my first issue with this statement like they pretty much already do yeah um interestingly like most most people came out and were like this is this is a bad you know this is a bad thing we should not and we shouldn't be entertaining this idea and while i totally agree uh i did read an an article by polygon which is a video game website very popular very big video game website and i think that this uh this article may be teetering on clickbait so i don't I don't recommend that you seek it out, uh, but the the article that came out was basically uh, an editorial on why this wouldn't be a bad thing, why this would this this is a good thing, and th- the reasoning in the article was that um, it'll it'll kind of take those people that may be so inclined to text during uh, during movies and put them all together in one theater, so like. The idea would be that, yeah. that they would have separate theaters and screenings just for people that want to text. 
Now, in theory, that sounds fine, but I think that people that text during movies don't go in with the intent on doing it. They just don't, they care so little about what's happening that they, they c- couldn't be bothered. So when they're going on the Fandangos and they're picking out movie times, yeah, they're not going to be like, oh, I want to pick the one that allows texting. They're not going to do that. They're just going to pick the, yeah. the one that's uh-huh. most convenient for them and they're going to text anyway. Yeah. So I think the theory of text-friendly movie theaters being a good idea, I don't think that is a good idea. I think it's a terrible idea. No, just... the only thing that I've, because I've never run into this problem of like people texting or anything. I'm sure people have texted like while I was in the audience watching a film, but I never noticed it. And which, two points there. Number one, I think millennials are probably better at like incognito texting. Because yeah. the only problems I've ever had with people using cell phones are always older people. Older people that have like, no idea. Like the to... guy, like when I watched The Raid 2 and the guy just answers his phone. And he's like, hi, I'm in a movie. What do you need? <laughs> you know, he's like a 50-year-old dude. Like, come on. And second, like, I, I just don't really, I guess it must be like the time that I go to movies. I, I don't really so. have this issue. Because like, that... you just should go to movies on like a Saturday at like 11 yeah. A lot of people, I'd still say that most people go to movies on Friday and Saturday nights. You know, the 7 o'clock showings on Friday and Saturday nights. And that, that's the time when all the young kids go see, see movies. Their parents drop them off at the theater and they go see their whatever movie. And it's, I think that that's where the real problem lies. I go see a lot of movies in the theater and I almost never, rarely ever have an issue with someone near me. Uh, texting on their phone or playing with their phone or talking on the phone during a movie it's yeah. it's it's so rare now i will have the the odd you know d- disruptive person that loves to be heard you know especially oh, yeah. in horror movies or comedy movies oh yeah it's like uh, where, where you have that really loud person that just wants everyone to and then you also have the ones where it'll be a it'll be a, the type of film where there may be like there may be kind of inside jokes or or intellectual humor or something like that, and then you'll have that one person in the back that laughs really loud, just so that you he he wants everybody to know that he got that, like he got that joke. Totally got that joke. Yeah, I just I've never really had a problem with people texting or anything. Yeah. Now, if we could just get people like a rule that's like you open up your candy and shit <laughs> before you fucking yes. sit down, like. Do it while the lights are on so you don't struggle for five minutes. Yeah, I uh, I always do that. I have my candy open. The wrapper is off, completely off, by the time the trailers start. Like yeah, that. Even if I'm not going to start munching on it. No. The wrapper comes off during the trailers or before. And my, uh, the, so, other, the other biggest thing is just people talking to each other. Yeah, I, I feel like people have a uh, voice modulation issues when it comes to everything. I, yeah, <laughs> it's like no one knows how to whisper. Yeah, it's like holy shit, you just forgot how to, to whisper. That's what that's what, Ryan, like, that's what Ryan does. I mean, you've, yeah. you've seen movies with Ryan. <laughs> that that motherfucker, he has no idea how to properly whisper in a movie theater. <laughs> no. And he can't blame that on the disease either, because I've seen plenty of movies with him before. Before he was afflicted with it, and I just love that he seems to get louder too, <laughs> which is my favorite part about it. Yeah, 
Because he's trying to speak over the movie. <laughs> so that's the problem. People, people are battling with the movie itself. You need, you need to lean over and get in the person's ear and whisper something to them if you need to. What yeah. I do, I hold off. If, if there's something I want to say to whoever I'm, I'm seeing the screening with, I'll, I'll just hold off and then bring it up after the movie during the post-movie discussion. Yeah. That's, that's what I do. Um, so you mentioned the Alamo Draft House. The, the Alamo Draft House has always big, been a big um, proponent of talking and texting. They have a very strict no talking, no texting policy. If you do talk or text during the screening, you get booted out with no refund. That's been their policy for, for years and years. And they're, they're very serious about it. Like they will boot your ass out. Uh, and they have, because of how the Alamo Draft House is with the, how, how they um, serve food, there's always people, there's always employees in the, in the screening and they will yeah. spot it and they will, they will kick you out. Uh, Tim League, the founder and CEO of Alamo Draft House, came out with a statement that basically says, you know, I, it's ridiculous to allow such a thing in a, in a theater that it takes away from the, the filmmakers and all of the people that worked so hard on making this movie that, that you, you know, come in and yeah. essentially are, are being completely disrespectful, not only to the audience that you're with, but to the, to the people that, you know, dedicated sometimes years of their lives to, to creating this for you. Yeah, but the weird thing is with Alamo Drafthouse, for me personally, like if I had someone sitting beside me, I would rather they be texting than eating a fucking cheeseburger. Because <laughs> the sound of people chewing and eating well, is the yeah, worst you, fucking you, thing ever. Usually that gets drowned out by the movie. It's I mean, it better. But, it, I mean, if you're seeing, like, uh, you know, a, a completely silent film, odds are that the tone of that film is not going to be cheeseburger levels. I hope with. not. But you might be sitting next to a guy that's like, I need a cheeseburger. Stat. I, I would love to see... Like the turning the- horse and, and <laughs> yeah, eating, like a- eating a nice baked potato <laughs> while that's happening. With your hands? <laughs> My hands. <laughs> are, well, of course. Make it as realistic as possible. Um, he also mentioned in his statement about the generalization of millennials. And this is another thing that you mentioned. Um, I, I agree that I think that technically... You and I are considered millennials. I think that we're like kind of the the first set of millennials. I yeah, which there's, there's, I, yeah, I discovered that like a couple months ago. Yeah, I was like, I, oh shit, I'm a millennial. Yeah, I think there's even a term for it. But um, the t- to say that they're all so obsessed and addicted to their phones that they can't sit them down for two hours, I think that that is inaccurate to say the least. And of course, it's a sweeping generalization because most people I know, and even people I don't know, going back to, you know, what we said, not seeing it as a problem. uh, A lot of the movies that I go see have a very large number of millennials because I usually go see late movies and I go see, you know, genre films and indie films. And by and large, those are kind of millennials, plus where I live and the neighborhoods that I go to and stuff like that. Um, I, n- I never see it as a problem. So, yeah. you know, to, to shoehorn millennials in, in this and t- to use that generation as an excuse to allow for texting. Again, yeah, I think that this guy just, he, he doesn't really, he just doesn't get it. I mean, texting 
if, if there's a movie theater that says you can't talk or text during this movie, it's not going to make somebody be like, well, fuck it. I'm not going then. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's not going to be a deal breaker for somebody. I mean, they're, they, they're going to see this movie to see the movie. Mm-hmm. And yes, I do believe that people uh, are disrespectful and don't, don't, you know, aren't nice to, to other people and give them the courtesy of not pulling out their phone when, you know, somebody texts them during the screening. But it's not like they go out with the expectation that they're going to be talking and texting. Yeah. It's just that I think the people are people have no respect for others. So at any rate, this whole conversation was slightly moot because AMC then released a statement yesterday saying that they were not going to allow it. The in, they heard the internet's cries and they were like, okay, you know what? We're not going to be doing this. Okay, guys, just calm down. We're not going to be doing it. AMC's still cool. We're still cool. Yeah, but the, again, the whole thing is they're probably just going to go straight back to not enforcing the no text. Well, that's the thing. It, so it's still going to be people fucking texting. Exactly. That's the thing. AMC's the worst. I think they're the worst offenders of it, too. Out of all of the various theater chains I've been to, AMC seems to be the most lax when it comes to that. Because I don't think they have anybody, anybody checking on their, their theaters. Yeah, no. So. no, no, that is difficult too. Because you got, you know, most of these people that work there, are kids, mm-hmm. like just starting out, and then you're gonna, you know, you're not paying them that much to begin with. Oh yeah, and yeah. then you're like, okay, you have to go in here and confront people that are texting and talking. Like, get the fuck out of here. You know well, what, I mean? what, <laughs> what? What they should be doing is going in, checking the sound, checking the the uh, the the audio, the video, making sure everything looks good. See if there's anybody disruptive. If there is somebody being disruptive or on their phone, get the manager. Go out and get the manager because that is the manager's responsibility to make sure everything runs smoothly. Yeah. Don't don't try to confront somebody yourself because we know that always ends badly. But yeah. People Or I mean some AMCs have do have security. If you know, that that'd be another thing is to get to, to get a security. When I lived in when I lived in Florida, the AMC that we had would hire off-duty police officers. Yeah, because that's Florida. (laughs) They need it. (laughs) They need it. Oh, you've been to that AMC, the one in the mall. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. A whole different experience. (laughs) Never experienced that before. They they added a lot onto that. Jesus. There's there's a bar there now. You can... Yeah, yeah, that's always... That's my favorite. You can actually drink... I don't know if it's all of the theaters. I think it may just be some of the theaters, but yeah, you can actually get drinks there now. Anyway, uh, the Men in Black 21 Jump Street crossover movie get, gets a title. Hold up, what? Yeah, so we, we, we haven't talked about this on the show yet. They are actually making a Men in Black 21 Jump Street crossover movie. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Sounds ridiculous. What? I'm sure it will be. But, but hopefully ridiculous in a good way. Oh, my God. So this is called MIB23, which I kind of like. kind of like that title. And I don't know if... I'm assuming that um, Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum are on board. I don't know if Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones are on board on the Men in Black side. I have no idea what, what the status yeah. of that is. I just realized... Hopefully, just think of the number of Twitter jokes that are going to be like, do I have to see the first 22 
MIB movies to know what's going on in MIB 23? Well, hopefully not. I, I no, doubt it's going to be. I, I, I have enough faith in my Twitter feed that that's not going to happen. <laughs> I got, yeah, I guess I should just, I got I to gotta curate my feed. Right, yeah, that's what you got to do. That's my the, fault. The Spider-Man reboot got a title Jesus also. Christ. This is called Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. Is it? Please don't tell me it's an origin story. Is no, I don't. I don't think it's an origin story. We all, we all know that he is going to be significantly younger in this one. Oh my god! He's like twelve or thirteen. He's still in high school, so I guess he's probably he's probably like thirteen or fourteen actually. Uh, but I don't know. I guess it's a kind of a play on play on words with him going back to to Marvel Studios or going to Marvel Studios. Because this is going to be, uh, I see, yep. This is this is his first foray into the the Marvel Cinematic Universe proper. I don't understand why they wouldn't just call it the Spectacular Spider-Man and just because that that was a, actually one of the comic books was the Spectacular Spider-Man. I don't I don't I don't know why we always need these title colon title you know, yeah title colon subtitle. They should just call it Spider-Man again. Again for the first time. Hey, we this is this is the second reboot in like five years, and the the first reboot was ten years after the after the first one. I mean, it's getting a little ridiculous with the Spider-Man stuff. Uh, it's, there's so many Spider-Mans. There, there are. I hope they bring them all together. Like someone does. I that. would love that. That would that'd be so <laughs> Just funny. like six Spider-Mans running around. I would that would be that fun. One. I would watch that one. All the other ones I won't watch, but that one I would. The the early buzz for Civil War, Captain America, they're they're saying that it's one of the year's best movies. So no, no best movie. I doubt it's gonna be one of the year's best movies, but I'm pretty excited for it. I'm sure I'm sure it's gonna be good. It looks awesome. Uh Ben Affleck announced that he will be starring and directing in a standalone Batman movie. Not a real gonna, big surprise there. He's gonna direct it too though? Yep. That's what has me excited. That's different. Because, because looking, you look at Affleck's filmography, his directing filmography, and you put Batman in there, and I think that as long as he keeps his same style, you know, because if you look at his movies, he has, a pretty, he has a pretty distinct visual style, you know, very, very gritty, very real. I think that it, Batman kind of fits. Gotta see some Batman in there. Huh. And Affleck. Movie. I think he was good as Batman. I think he, I think that he is definitely uh, a solid Batman and the best, the best Bruce Wayne. Hmm. So, uh, Fox announces their lineup for 2016, 2017. This is from CinemaCon, which is uh, which was happening this week. So Fox pretty much revealed their entire lineup all for for the rest of this year and all of next year, including four. Avatar sequels. Four. <laughs> James Cameron came out on the stage and he's like, hey guys, uh, remember me? I made that Avatar movie and we got four more of them coming out. Four. So expect Avatar in 2018, 2020, 2022, and 2023. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One second, let me put that in my Google calendar real yeah. quick. Yeah, just made Avatar. <laughs> I don't quite, I don't quite get it. I don't quite get uh, it, well, yeah, four of them. Jeez, I didn't even like the first one. Huh? Yeah, but 
They, they made a shit ton of money, didn't, didn't they, they? They they did. I mean, I think it's still the the highest grossing film of all time, actually. Well, so now we, now we need four of them. Gotta make that money. Rake it. I, I don't Rake know. that money. Yeah. Cameron's got to go back to the bottom of the ocean. He we'll needs see. some money. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. Uh, so a couple. Uh, the the there's been some details, some new synopses, some new casting details, stuff like that for all of these movies. Uh, little bits, little bits were kind of revealed. So we got like a new uh, Ice Age movie. Big surprise there. Like those Ice Age movies just never end. They don't. Uh, the new Tim Burton movie, Ms. Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. What do you think about that? Have you seen the trailer for that? Uh-uh. Is that Spider-Man in it? Uh, no. Uh, I thought that was maybe a part of the Spider-Man cinematic universe. No, I don't think so. Okay. Ava Green, Aza Butterfield, Samuel L. Jackson, Judy Dench, Rupert Everett. Hmm. Nope. Mm, uh, Troll, the that. Trolls movie. What? The Trolls movie. That uh, that has a release date in the synopsis. Because uh, tr- trolls, remember trolls? trolls? It, wait, it's those trolls? <laughs> yeah, it's those trolls. Those trolls. Yeah, the hair with the the, the, the ugly what? little toys with the hair. What the fuck is happening? Oh uh, my god! Assassin's Creed gets some. I don't know if this is any if these are any new details, but a, a synopsis for Assassin's Creed came out. Um. You know, I was looking at the at this the new Maze Runner, the new Wolverine. Uh, oh. Let's see, some some of these. There's a new Gore Verbinski um, movie called the A Cure for Wellness, which is a supernatural thriller. Yeah, interested in that one. Captain Underpants. Captain Underpants. Yeah, that's they're making a movie out of that popular book series. Right. The new Kingsman movie, which is called Kingsman: The Golden Circle. Coming out in 2017. The new Planet of the Apes movie. The new Alien movie. Oh my god. August 4th, 2017. Everything you're saying is terrible. I'm excited for the new Alien movie. But but everything is just like, you're not saying anything new. It's just like a new version of this. A new version of this. Well, I mean, there's some things. Uh, some of these I mean, things that I, I, like, I don't know what they are. Yeah. Are original. I would say, looks like. Maybe eighty-five percent of it is is not original though. They're oh. all either sequels or adaptations or reboots. There's a couple comedies in here that seem to be that seem to be original. Keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, there's a comedy called Mother Daughter with Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn. That sounds terrible. I'm sure it will be. Yeah, sure. Murder on the Orient Express. Looks like they're gonna redo that one. Yeah. Right. Here's one that just says "Untitled Fox Marvel." Oh boy! So who who knows what that could be? Watch out! Untitled Fox Marvel. Yeah, I don't know what that's that's going to be about. At any rate, we have the full list of those up on the site, so you can you can check it out if you want. Honestly, it's it's nothing revelatory. It's nothing big. Nothing that has me too excited. I mean, the, the Alien movie. I'll always be excited about Alien movies, but. No. That's that's really the only one, maybe Assassin's Creed, but but there's not any additional details. There's nothing I didn't already know. All right, Ghost in the Shell, the Ghost in the Shell movie begins filming. And they're shooting this in New Zealand, and uh, the film stars Scarlett Johansson 
And a little bit of a, a little bit of a controversy. This is a this is another controversy that got stirred up this week. Uh, it was revealed that apparently they were testing uh, the they were trying to CG the their white actors to make them look more Asian for the film. <laughs> I don't know if there's any truth to that, but come on, guys! Like you, you need Scarlett Johansson. Like, so, I just you need her so bad that you can't just cast an Asian person. To well, play. I mean, either just cast an Asian person, or just or just cast Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, if I you mean, want Scarlett Johansson so bad, just to have her be Scarlett Johansson. It wasn't that racist until you added the CG. Then it became very racist. Everything. Anytime you bring up and tell me about like studios and stuff, it's just so sad and disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it makes me hate movies. Well, it certainly makes me hate the studio system. Yeah, well, their movies that you know, their movies, their yeah, that's their the slice of the of the cinematic universe. Oh, God. Yeah, I was kind of excited about a Ghost in the Shell movie until I hope that shit gets that. torn in so much and they lose so much fun. I hope all your movies get torn, fuckers. Uh, I think they probably do, but I don't. I don't know how much money they lose. It's probably negligible. See, the problem, the problem with the, the with pirating and touring, and this is this is like a whole other topic for a different show. But it's it's the indies that really get affected by that. The it's the the big movies that they rarely get affected by. No, but they unless still try unless to it's something up. major, uh, like like when the Wolverine movie got leaked like months before it came out when, when something like that happens i think i know but it's so it's so much bullshit because then they try and come out and they're like oh this is this is fucking destroying us and this is why we're having so many issues and it's like oh man really and then you know a couple of weeks later they're like we just announced the new wolverine movie yeah it's like oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah you're Must in really. dire straits for sure <laughs> yeah exactly give me a fucking break trailers this week Got a new trailer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, what is it called? Out of the Shadows. Uh, still looks like it's probably going to be terrible, but I may I may check it out just for again I mentioned before the Bebop and Rocksteady and Krang and the and the Technodrome and Casey Jones. Just the fact that all of those elements are in there. Probably check it out. I don't know if I'll see it in the theater, but. I'll check it out at some point. Suicide Squad got a new trailer. This one was really good too. I I'm really excited for the Suicide Squad. I think it's gonna be pretty great. Uh, and they they've been killing it with these trailers. I mean they're they're really hyping this up to be something special. Uh, the BFG got a new trailer. This is the Steven Spielberg adaptation <laughs> of the uh, the popular Roll Doll book. I saw that before the Jungle Book, and I'm not kidding. For my first thought was. Oh, BFG stands for big fucking guy. And then well, like any time anybody that's remotely into gaming hears BFG, they think big fucking gun from Doom. Oh, okay. Well, that was my thought, and I really, I honestly, I was sitting there, I was like, oh, big fucking guy, okay. <laughs> and then like a little bit later, I was like, no, it wouldn't be called that, Kevin. <laughs> no, Kevin, no, you're wrong. <laughs> so it's, I don't, I don't know what it actually stands for. I think it's, it's like big fun guy or something. Big, big friendly giant. Oh, big friendly giant. I don't know why you have the big and the giant in there. You know, it's kind of a little redundant. redundant. 
Yeah, a little redundant. But whatever. I like big fucking guy better. Because that would be my, like, as soon as he picks me up, I'd be like, this is a big fucking guy. <laughs> I have a little, little to no desire to see this movie at all. I just don't think it looks that great. No, it doesn't. Um, Nicholas Winding Refn's Neon Demon got a trailer. Ooh. Have you seen this? Huh. It looks, it looks awesome, but I was reminded of the trailers for Only God Forgives and how awesome those were. And how disappointing that movie was. Uh, I I still have very high hopes for Neon Demon, though. I think it's going to be. It looks crazy. It's it's sort of a horror movie, from what I understand, but it's it's like a psychological horror movie. Mm. It looks like it's going to have all kinds of crazy surreal imagery, and it looks pretty wild. Very. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm cautiously excited for it, though. Like I'm not going to go into it expecting greatness. Like. What I did with Only God Forgives. Uh, and finally, Doctor Strange got a first uh, teaser trailer. This was a teaser. Uh-oh. For the new, the new Marvel, Marvel's Doctor Strange with Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know what to think about this one. The, the, the first teaser didn't really, didn't really do it for me, but I was never the biggest fan of Doctor Strange. I, always, I liked him anytime he was in the comics. That I read, I, I would always like him in a supporting role, but I would never seek out any of his solo stuff. Yeah. I don't, so I don't, I don't know. I'm sure the movie's going to be fine. Uh, I like the fact that um, Scott Derrickson is directing it, you know, the guy that did Sinister. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. That's, that's one of the things that has me kind of like, mm, okay, I'm going to keep an eye on this one. But I'm, so I'm sure it'll be fine. But the, the teaser didn't really show you much. so. Not a lot to go on there. So. All right, let's talk about our movie of the week. We're, we're discussing Disney's The Jungle Book. This is directed by Jon Favreau. I have a synopsis here. The man-cub Mowgli flees the jungle after a threat from the tiger Shere Khan. Guided by Bagheera the panther and, a bear, and the bear Baloo, Mowgli embarks on a journey of self-discovery, though he also meets creatures who don't have his best interests at heart. Oh. Mm-mm-mm. Watch out for them wild animals. Not this, stars, this stars Neil Sethi as Mowgli, and then it also features the voices of Bill Murray, Ben Kingsley, Idris Elba, Lupita Nyong'o, Scarlett Johansson, Christopher Walken, Gary Shandling. Uh, Kevin, we'll start off with you. What did you think of The Jungle Book? Mm. I what I thought of the Jungle Book was eh, that's it. That's all I got. Um, <laughs> I feel like I should before expressing any of my thoughts on this movie. I I feel like I should d- deliver a disclaimer in that I'm not the biggest fan of the Jungle Book as a story, like any of the iterations. I, well, I just not, I just don't I don't find it that compelling or interesting. So you know, going into this, I was like, oh well, it's going to be the jungle book and guess what it was the fucking jungle book (laughs) yeah i mean for me i thought to myself i was like i think i like the original jungle book it's been a really long time since i saw it i don't and then i kind of realized well while watching this one is i don't really remember anything from the original jungle book the only thing i I remember is the bare necessities song that's it I remembered, uh, I remembered like the set pieces, like the big set pieces, the Bear Necessities, the King Louis stuff, like those, the, like the, the big moments, you know, the interaction with Ka, 
I remember those parts, but the thing about the Jungle Book is just I, it, I don't find it to be that interesting of a story. There's just not much there. Uh, but nah. but there there are a few things that I wanted to touch on with this movie. The first and biggest thing about this movie, and the the in my opinion, the only thing that needs to be talked about is the visuals. The 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 CG work on these animals was like nothing. I was blown away by how good this this animation was. Some of it. There were spots where it did not look good. There were spots that looked that looked very much animated, and I noticed, and, and I'm sure that it was probably because they had different teams working on different animals and stuff. I noticed that all the smaller animals looked more cartoonish. Like the like yeah. there was a scene where there was like a little frog hopping on a rock, and that looked very cartoonish. But I thought that. For the most part, uh, all the the big animals like Baloo and and Shere Khan and especially Bagheera, like holy crap, that looked so yeah. real to me. And the, the weird, the thing that was most impressive to me was the close-ups. Yeah, of the animals. Like the more the closer that you got to them, the better they looked. A lot of times when they showed like the first time that Shere Khan like leaves, when they have that like the peace truce, the water truce or whatever. And when he climbs back up the rocks and leaves, like that didn't look good from a distance, but the up close, they, they looked great. Like the fur is ridiculous on these things. Yeah. But some of them, you're right. They didn't like, and it's weird because it, the ones that looked the worst were like you said, where they were just these like little animals, like as the camera's moving through to yeah. get to Mowgli or something. And they kind of just like pop up and they looked terrible. And you're just thinking, like, why have it in there? Like, do you not see that it looks terrible? Well, I didn't think it looked terrible. I just thought that it wasn't on the same level as any of the others. I, I, I mean, as far as when you when you compare those to to any other movie, it's it's fine. It just looks it's more jarring. Um, it, it is weird to think that this is you know the having the live action with animation that this is where we're at now. I would say that this movie. Is more animation than live action, though. Like yeah. this is this is the one because the only thing that wasn't CG pretty much was Mowgli. Like that, everything else, from what I understand, is almost all CG. Like all of the the jungle, most of the jungle is all CG in this. Yeah, and and that's another thing. Like the environments looked so good. But it's though, just weird. It's weird to think of like what what I'm used to is like who framed Roger Rabbit. Like you know what I mean? And like this is what it is now. And it's just like Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean I couldn't get over it. Like the one scene that really stood out to me was the scene the bare necessity scene with with Baloo. Because when you break that scene down, I was thinking about this as it was happening, like you have a lot an actual kid who is floating on this animated bear and it was in the water. So you have not only this live action person interacting with something that's that's not real and you have him like touching the fur and stuff but you have a close up it's a close up so you know parts of his face Baloo's face were wet so that like that part of the fur was kind of matted and then you inter- you put in like the splashing and stuff where his face other parts of his face are getting wet and all that, like all that culmination of things, I was just like, "Holy shit!" They must have worked so hard on that one scene because it looked yeah. so good. And like when he, you know, when the kid puts his hands in the fur, 
Mm-hmm. Like the wet fur, it looks like a hand in wet fur. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and a, a lot of, I think one of the things that made these creatures look so real was that a lot of the small things that they would add, like the, like the ear, ear twitching and just little subtle movements of these creatures that, just really nailed the whole the realism thing, and I thought I thought that the movement of these animals was probably the the most realistic I've ever seen as far as um as far as animated creatures in a movie. Like it just looked their movements looked so real, and like Bagheera's eyes, for instance, that was another thing that I really noticed. Like the they nailed the the eye animation; it just it looked like an actual panther. Yeah. It's just unfortunately that there was nothing else to go with it. Well, uh... <laughs> animation, but like you said, I mean, because to me too, it seems like there's not a lot with this story. There's just, yeah, there's not a lot there. I mean, we we said it before last week on Ryan Watch's movie that the the character of Mowgli is not he's he's nothing, and that, that and to me that was like one of the, one criticism I had. I know that. Uh, are you, are you, I, I, oh, is this going to be the time we tear down this kid? Yep, it's, <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm yeah. sorry, but this kid is not a good actor. And nah. when the first few lines that he had, I was like, oh, 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 boy, oh boy. Like this he looks like Mowgli. He looks like the the animated version of Mowgli. Sure. And and one thing that I was really impressed with was his movements. Like they they, I mean. I'm guessing it was Favreau that was having him move in a very specific way that looked like the animated one. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he like did. when he was, he was jumping from like rock to rock, and like there was a scene when they went to to King Louis's place when he was going up the steps. How he would use his hands to kind of go up the steps. Like it, it looked like that was straight out of the the animated film. So like that was fine, but anytime he uttered a line of dialogue, it was bad. Like it was just straight up bad. I thought he was okay when he was, you know, when he was kind of joking around and stuff. But anytime yeah, where they fine. needed, yeah, he was, was okay. Fine. I didn't think he was terrible there. But when they did, you know, when he had to deliver some like emotion and stuff, it just, yeah, uh, it was a little yeah. sketchy. It didn't quite work. Fortunately, he doesn't. There's not a whole lot of dialogue coming from him. I mean, the the focus is definitely on the animals in this, as it should be. But it is. I mean, there's a whole nother angle to this because it's a kid right in this big movie jungle book doing this acting and he's acting with nothing because everything right and and that's something that you do have to kind of think about the fact that he is reacting to nothing happening (laughs) so yes i i think that as while his dialogue may not have been the greatest his delivery uh, his reaction to things that were happening in the movie but not happening in real life, I, like that was all fine. That was good. Yeah. I don't know how they did it, but it was just uh, a lot of it was really impressive as far as that. Uh, going back to the, the, the Bare Necessities scene, that was one big surprise that I had in this, is that there's actual music musical numbers in this movie. Uh, yeah, all which the, which I... I it was odd, but at the same time, I thought that it was welcome because those songs are so iconic. And I think I even said this on last week's show that it it would have been unfortunate if they kept those songs out. So the fact that they did have the King Louis song and then the Baloo song, 
What was the other I one? I'm missing one. I thought it was just those two. Was it just those two? Yeah, I, I guess it was. Just, yeah, and I, I'm with you because I was actually kind of, I was kind of happy that that happened. Yeah, I, I like those scenes. Because towards the beginning, I'm thinking, jeez, let's, let's lighten things up a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was the thing. Like, this, this movie is, was way, way more somber than I expected it to be. I, I wanted it to be fun. That, that's why all my favorite parts were just the, the parts with him and Baloo, like doing yeah. their, doing their uh, little, the whole scheme with him getting the honey and all of that stuff. Like, I thought that was really fun, and I liked that. Yeah, and I it liked definitely became a, a much better film when Baloo shows up. Oh, as soon as, soon as Baloo shows up, yeah. I mean, he, he was, Bill Murray's Baloo was the best part of this movie. Just him interacting with Bagheera, because, you know, like, Bagheera's all serious, and, you know, Baloo's just a fun, fun comedic He just He's just getting that honey, man. He just wants that honey. He's gotta have that honey. But I, I did like the musical numbers. I liked Christopher Walken. As, I, I thought it was interesting because, you know, Louis Prima was the voice of the original King Louis. And they, they had the same kind of tone where it was sort of a, a mafia type thing, like a mob yeah. thing. And I liked that they brought that back and had... had um, two, two things with King Louis. Number one, I appreciate that Mowgli plays with the cowbell before Walken <laughs> comes out. I thought yeah. that was fantastic. and. I don't know about you, but when they show like all the papayas and stuff that are on the floor, the first thought I had was, I want fucking runts really bad. <laughs> runts. They, they look like runts, man. I was just like, damn, I want runts now. Yeah. Right now. It while I like, so delicious. While I did like the musical number, uh, I thought that they made him too, too big. Like he was too fucking enormous. He was King Kong. I mean, he was just. It was so big, and I mean, I, I was like, "All right, did you have to make him that big?" I was, Seriously? and I'm also wondering, like, did no one pointed that out? Like, don't you think someone would have been like, "Holy shit, he is huge!" Yeah, like, why is he so big? <laughs> He's like freakishly enormous. He's like 15 times bigger than a fucking bear. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I thought that was a little bit. Too much. Yeah, they made him a little too big, but I still, yeah. I still liked that that scene, and I thought that Walken was a good choice for King Louis. I thought that Idris Elba was a good choice for Shere Khan too, because man, was he evil! Like he was, yeah, he was a bad bitch in this movie. He was, he was an awful person. Oh, I guess Tiger. Sorry, but at the same time, like most Disney villains, it's not that they were just plain evil for the sake of being evil. They all had their own specific reasons for being that way. Like, obviously, Shere Khan was, saw Mowgli as a threat because he was a human, and he was afraid of... Yeah, know. I thought they could have, I think, built upon that a little bit, because it seems like they did kind of just go straight evil with him. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you, you never really... You don't really know why he wants to kill him. Like, he just says straight up, I want to kill him. Like, yeah. I want him dead. And there's, like, no motivation at first, and you're just like, whoa. Like, he just wants to straight up murder this kid. <laughs> yeah. And, he's, like, well, and the worst part, too, is that he's like, I'm either going to murder this kid, or I'm just going to start murdering all of you until you let me murder this kid. So yeah. either, he just wants to murder, like, uh, either a shit ton of animals, or just the kid, or, like, a combo of the two, like, a shit ton of animals, and then the kid. like. 
he just wants to kill for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was pretty evil. But then of course they do get into they allude to the fact that he's I think that he fears man and he's he's afraid of the the power of man and the what do they call it? The the orange the, the red, red flower. flower. The red Which flower. I thought I thought and I know that I'm like thinking too much about this, but this kind of weirds me out a little bit is that all these animals know how to speak English. And they have they have I mean well, they have a very good vocabulary the, the, it's the impressive weird, the, but the they weird, don't know the word fire like how did you learn all the other english I think words they but do. you didn't learn fire i think they even do say fire at one point i think they even do call it fire at one point mm. and it but but also like uh they, no, they they say it in terms i think they like they said they like the kid has a fire in them or something like that so uh, they don't like use it for but they use it in a metaphorical way but not in the real way and they call it the red flower constantly. Also, they they speak very modern English too. I don't know if you picked up on that. Like they say, like cool and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, uh, but but the, uh, the one thing I thought was interesting was that you know there's these animals like uh, like Gary Shandling plays Iki, who I thought was going to be a bird <laughs> for sure, but it was but he's a porcupine, which was even better. He's amazing. I wanted. His, <laughs> I just wanted a movie of his character. I know. I I thought he was he was great. So you have this porcupine who can talk, and yet you have various other animals who are much smarter than porcupines, like the monkeys and stuff. They don't and talk. Like, they can't talk. And it's like, <laughs> I, I don't understand. There's an inconsistency here. But King Louie can talk. But King Louie can talk, but none of his minions can? Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand either. Because I kept wondering. I'm like, why can't this animal some, some, talk? Yeah, some can talk and some can't. That just doesn't make any and sense. And those little mice things. They can talk. Yeah. How can the little mice things talk, but the monkeys who are very who are a lot smarter than those mice, they, they can't seem to talk. Well that that brings me up to an, to another point that I forgot to mention when we were talking about the animation was that the the way that they handled the talking was better than any other movie I've ever seen that had animals talking in it. Mm, that, that, yeah. That's like a big thing. That's a really difficult thing to do because when you have animals talking, the way that their mouths and lips are designed is it's not for talking in real life. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. Well, they're, that's they're the not... good thing that's going on here is that you have animated animals talking, but it's just that the animated animals themselves look like real animals, so it ends up looking really good instead of just having real animals and then animating their talking. Yeah, but in in previous movies, like I don't know, like Babe or whatever, they the way that they animate the mouths, they end up moving in a way that is not real, like not yeah. realistic looking. But the way that they had the mouths moving in this movie, it seemed like, I mean, it, it was believable. You know what I mean? Like not, obviously not that they can talk, but the actual physical movements looked real. No, I think in the jungle animals can talk. They just straight up talk English. Oh, they probably do. I mean, <laughs> We will never know. It's yeah. entirely possible that they. Yeah, you ever been? You ever been to the fucking jungle? You don't know. They're probably just walking around, shooting the shit, walking and talking. Yeah, why wouldn't I? They I did like the uh, the water truce scene a lot when all the animals came. Yeah, it's just and and I don't know because again I don't know I don't remember much from the the original, you know the animated. But it's like man, we have the jungle and we have all these interesting animals. And we're focusing on wolves and a bear. <laughs> like, we couldn't, like, 
of all the animals in the jungle, we go with like the most boring animals. I liked the bear. I like the bear too, but wolves. I agree. I-, I wanted to see more. I wanted like more of that pig, the pig, the the little pig thing that um was in a couple scenes with Baloo, like the the yeah. one that got the honey dropped on him, because he was just so adorable. <laughs> Didn't care for the mice. Glad that they weren't in it a lot. They were annoying. Yeah, they were like great. the minions. <laughs> they were the they minions were. of the Jungle Book what? world. Why? Why did we always say... Yeah, that was the other thing that kind of got thing. me. That's I know. And that's with like, the first, the first like, five, ten minutes of this movie. You know, the Disney thing comes along. And I'm in a theater full of like kids. And then they have like the, the cute little wolves, which I hated. Like I just hated those fucking little wolves. They were stupid. And, you know, they have him talking and being cute and stuff. And for, like, the first 10 minutes, I'm just like, oh, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I here? It's a Saturday night. Why am I in a theater full of kids watching this kids movie? And then luckily it got better. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say, because I, I didn't mention it before, that I actually did like this movie. I thought it was all right. <laughs> I, like, I, I, I was voicing, other than the visuals, I was voicing a lot of criticism with it but i i overall i did like it quite a bit i mean the visuals were definitely the highlight for sure and i like the music a lot too like i thought the score was really good because they integrated like orchestral versions of a lot of the songs from the original movie and stuff which which i thought was nice it, it felt like the jungle book i mean they they really nailed the, the feel yeah that. i think that that's one thing that happens with a lot of these live action versions of disney movies is that the story's the same, but just the kind of overall feeling of the movie is not quite, it's not quite there. But like yeah. in this, you know, with the original Jungle Book, you had a lot of that kind of New Orleans jazz style yeah, the, I like think with the, the music. I think that was the only thing that it was kind of missing. I mean, I had a little bit, but I just didn't think I had enough of it was with like the playfulness. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get it when yeah. Baloo shows up, but it just takes forever to get there. Like we're so, it's so somber and solemn. It is. It's a, it, and then and then finally, Baloo shows up and it starts getting played, and it just feels at odds with each other. It's like, this is like two completely different movies. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I think that it was uh, a lot, a lot more serious. And it, a lot of it was just sad. I mean, it was just like one horrible thing happening after another. And, and there was very little levity happening until Baloo shows up. But yeah. And then even. Then, then they circle back around and come back to the, the super serious shit at the end. It's just like, Jesus, what kind of movie do you want to be? I don't like, know if we this have is... fun, and this is just like a fun, like, look at all these characters, and then it's the jungle, and they're talking. Yeah, because even Baloo gets serious there towards the end, and I don't know if this is, I don't think this is a spoiler, but there's like a pretty big fight scene at the end, and I thought that they handled that really well, too. Like, I thought that, that looked really good. Yeah. Whole, the whole, that fight scene. The only thing, and again, I say this all the time, and I can do without this forever and ever and ever, that whatever that shit is where they make it look like a video game, where they kind of like quick zoom in, like when all the CGI is happening, you know what yeah, I'm talking they, about? Yeah, they do I, that. They do that in they all, do that a couple all of movies. I mean, luckily they kind of held back a little bit, but every time they did it, it looks so awful. I don't, I don't particularly like that either. That was one thing if, if, um, if, if you guys listening aren't, familiar with what he's talking about if you've seen the Battlestar Galactica the one that came out the modern one that came out they did that all the time in that Battlestar Galactica show and mm. I, I watched the um, 
I think it was like it was like the first episode of that show it was like a it was like a two hour like mini movie that set up the show, and I watched about twenty minutes of it, and I turned it off because I was like, nope, because they did that quick zoom stuff mm-hmm. all the time where where it's a wide shot and there's things happening in the background, and then they zoom in real fast on yeah, and then they'll happening. even they'll like zoom in and then like zoom out a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's just like stop doing that. It looks terrible. Don't. Yep. I agree. Completely Quit agree. It. But I will say, because then that reminded me of my favorite part of the movie that I loved, visually speaking, was when he was on the, the wildebeest, when they were on that little ledge, and then there was the landslide, you know, the rock slide. That looked incredible. Yeah. That looked that, absolutely incredible. Yeah, that was gorgeous. That and was... then how it comes, like, it cuts to, like, the thick fog mm-hmm. and him floating it. Oh, that was nice. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of brings me to another point is that it, this didn't feel like a John Favreau movie to me. Like, I, I wasn't feeling that kind of charm that he puts in his movies. Like, it just didn't, I didn't have that same feeling with this movie that, as yeah. I did with like, something like Chef, for instance. Yeah. It's it just, just again, wasn't quite there. You almost get, and I, you know, I have no idea, but you get the sense that maybe there's too many people involved probably they wanted it to be they couldn't quite decide what they wanted it to be because like i said at the beginning it feels like oh they're gonna like this dark reboot type thing so that's all the rage and then it's like oh it's jovial and fun okay and then it goes back to being super serious it's just like it couldn't it couldn't figure out what it the hell it wanted to be yeah yeah i think i think it would have worked a lot better for me if it was if it did keep a lighter tone yeah. Throughout and and you know, it sure introduce the conflict, you know, make it serious. Don't don't shy away from these things, these tragic things that are happening in this movie. Don't don't shy away from those those elements, but this is this is kind of a road trip movie, you know? It's 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 an adventure. And I think that by and large it should be this this kid who he he's he's kind of innocent and he is just having fun. Like he's just loving life. Even though yeah. it's there's these ter- terrible things that are happening around him, but I also just love the fact that Figure is like because they have that terrible narration with Figure at the beginning and then a little bit at the end and stuff. I love how he's like, oh, you know, I trusted him with the wolves to be a wolf. And it's like that's that's just stupid, Figure. You're dumb. You're a dumb person. You're a dumb panther. Like, why wouldn't you give him to the monkeys? Yeah, you're just a, like he's not gonna make it as a wolf. That's true. That's true. <laughs> he's not gonna come close to me. And then I love how they like they like you know they made they they force him to be like you have to work as a wolf. You have to act like a wolf. I mean, you're just setting him up for failure. <laughs> I like kids can't outrun. I, I a wolf think I think maybe tires. he 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 gave him to the wolves for protection more than anything like you give them to the monkeys that kid's dead <laughs> yeah but at least he can like hang out with the monkeys like up in the trees and away from some things because he can actually climb and whatnot yeah like he can't run and i mean number number one he's a human which can't run and two he's a kid which are you know like they just don't have the athleticism it like it hasn't developed yet right like you're just ensuring that this kid's gonna die <laughs> Which I'm surprised he hasn't died. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, like all the cuts that his kid's getting, like he does have that, a lot of injuries. <laughs> make, that, make that shit realistic and show him, like all those getting infected, 
all of it. Yeah, I mean, he starts off with a, a fair number of scars, and then like he gets <laughs> cut up as the movie goes on. By the end of the film, he's just nothing but cuts. He's just a bloody mess. <laughs> Which is interesting that they made him bleed and have cuts and stuff, but like the animals. Yeah, they. They. I think that they were. They were injured, but I mean, they. Like, well, we know they were injured. See it at but all. I, I think if you look hard enough, you could see. I think a lot of it was kind of covered up by fur and stuff, but it looked like there were several things, like with Bagheera and Baloo, where you could kind of see. Yeah, some stuff. Uh, I, I I would like to mention I saw this in 3D just because it was the only time available, and uh, like a lot of 3D stuff, this was way too dark. And I know that that's the fault of the theater, um, for not turning the brightness up. But uh, a lot of this was just entirely too dark for me. Mm. Like I couldn't the the scenes at nighttime. It was like hard to make out a lot of the stuff going on, which drove me crazy. And of course, I didn't. I didn't know that I was seeing the 3D one until I actually got to the theater. And I wore my glasses. I didn't have my contacts in, so I had to put the 3D glasses over top of my regular glasses. It was just a not an ideal situation. But yeah, it was alright. All right. Any final thoughts on the Jungle Book? Gonna mm-hmm. recommend this one. Gonna recommend a theater watch for this one. <sighs> I'm gonna still recommend it. I think that I'm like a, uh, if you want to. Uh-huh, it's your life. You make. I'd say. Decision. I'd say if you love the Jungle Book story, then absolutely go see it. Because I think it is a really great adaptation. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, uh, I, had, I had fun. I had fun there. with it too. Uh, let's go ahead and give this a score. I'm gonna give the Jungle Book a seven out of ten. I'll give it a six, six and a half. There you go. Jungle Book now playing in theaters across the country. All over the damn place. All over the place. You right can... next to your God's Not Dead too. <laughs> what was the other one? Miracles, of oh, Miracles yeah. from Heaven or whatever? I, yeah, that one was still playing at my local theater. Nice. I still got that. That shit's going to play for like, like 42 weeks. Ridiculous. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on and talk about some more we've been watching in the watch list. Uh, this is one that... I'll start it off this week. Uh, this is one that I saw a couple weeks ago, but uh, I can now talk about. This was a Tribeca film. The, the Tribeca Film Festival is happening right now, so I'll, I'll be reporting back on that next week. I'll probably have a, a lot more under my, under my belt. Uh, holidays. So this is a horror anthology. This is actually on VOD right now, so you can see this right now. It premiered at Tribeca, and then the next, the very next day, it was released on VOD. Damn. Yeah. Which is interesting. They're d- actually a bunch of the movies that are at Tribeca this year are having like re- releases like a week or a couple days later. Good. I hope that's a trend that just keeps going. Hi Rise is an example of that. High Rise comes out um, next weekend, I believe. No, maybe the following weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. <clears throat> Holidays, it's a horror anthology centered around di- different holidays. So you have Christmas, New Year's, uh, St. Patrick's Day, Easter, all the biggies. Mother's Day, Father's Day are included in there. And I hated it. Uh, this is... <laughs> I have a review up. It's terrible. Um, none of them are good. Uh-huh. I'll just flat out say that none of, this, none of them are good. Uh, there, there are a few that show promise, but they 
they're they're very short and they pretty much end before the, you can get into any of them. It's uh it's terrible. It's just the the Kevin Smith one, Kevin Smith directed one of them. He actually did Halloween. Uh his was fine, but the problem with it was that the the theme, the Halloween theme was felt tacked on. Like it, you could eliminate that and it cuz the the short itself had nothing to do with the holiday whatsoever. Mm. Um but yeah, I pretty much couldn't stand anything about this movie. This is this is on the same level as VHS 3 and and the ones that just feel completely unnecessary. Oh, which is unfortunate because Southbound, which was another horror anthology that came out, I think earlier this year was really good and I liked that one a lot, but this one it had promise. You know, I like the idea of theming these horror shorts around the holidays, but none yeah. of them none of them capitalize on it. So, yeah. I'd skip I'd definitely skip holidays. This is it's not good. Mm. I watched Back to the Future. Is this the first time 19, watch? From 1985. Uh, I'm pretty sure because I don't re- remember much while I was watching it. I mean, some things, but again, I think most of that came from just it being pop culture you know, references. Yeah, yeah. from because sweet Jesus, we've, we've, how many things have referenced this movie? Uh, but apparently on Letterboxd, I, I had it on there as I've seen it before, but I think that was a lie. I think I was lying. It's being a liar that day. Dick. I know, right? Who does that? It's fucking weird. Um, I'm sure I saw this like way back. And I just don't remember anything. Probably, yeah. Um, I love everything with Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. Fucking love it. It's great. Doc Marty doing her thing. It's fantastic. And I just, I love the first interaction when he gets to the future, or to the past, and he meets up with Doc, and he's talking about, you know, Reagan being president, and just, he finds that so hilarious. And everything <laughs> that they discuss is, it's funny. I like, I like their, their relationship. It's great. It's funny. It's witty. It's quick. Love it. But so much of this movie is just hung up on the fact that his mom falls in love with him, and they just keep going down that down that path just one shitty joke after another like at first it's kind of like you chuckle a little bit because it's like ha you know it's his mom his mom doesn't know that that's her son you know like oh shit that's funny but then it gets really old really quickly because it's just like all the jokes are centered around her not knowing that that's her son but he does so he's like uh oh can i have that in writing I like that she called him, that she thought his name was Calvin, because it was yeah. Calvin Klein underwear. That's silly. Get it? Because moms write the names on your underwear. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that's her being a mom. But, like, I don't know. They just, they spend so much time on that. And then, like, Crispin Glover's character is just, what the fuck's going on there? Like, that's just a weird-ass fucking character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, but when you first meet him, you know, and it's present day, and he's getting berated by biff you're just like what the fuck is this guy like he's not a real human being this is very weird and then he goes back in time and he's even weirder and you're like you find out that he's like a peeping tom and then just no one says anything about that ever again it's just like oh shit he's a peeping tom and then boop that's it never discussed again what the fuck the guy's a peeping tom he's a pervert what, <laughs> what the fuck like Leah Thomas's choices in this movie are her son from the future, which is fucking weird, or the pervy peeping Tom, 
Well, not only that, like, that's not even, I mean, that's a really bad aspect of his character. But, like, I don't even know if that's the worst part, because everything else about him is just fucking weird, too. Like, he's just fucking weird as can be, man. He just doesn't make any sense. That's her two choices, okay? And then you just also throw in there that she's almost raped by Biff. Just there's they just go down that one scene where Biff's just like, oh, I'm gonna rape you now. And then like that's a whole thing. It's like, what the fuck's going on? So like it makes sense that all she does is drink bottom shelf vodka all the time. Cause damn, she does not have it good whatsoever. It's just a bizarre ass movie. It is when you boil it down, yes. It's just so weird. I don't you know. But everything with Marty and uh Doc is fantastic. I hope there's more of that in the next two. Are you? Is this like a thing that you're doing? You're gonna watch? I all figure. Three of them? Yeah, I figure out. I'll, I'll finish the other two. Part two is my favorite, just because they go to the future. Well, they go to 2015. And oh yeah. That that part two is my favorite one out of the three, and part three is not because they go to the Wild West, and I just wasn't and wasn't was, interested in that one. And also, like the number one thing that I did, didn't remember was the Syrians. What? Like the the terrorists, the Syrians, the terrorists at the beginning of the movie, where that's like that's how he got the the plutonium oh, yeah. because he was gonna steal for them, and then they come and yeah, it's just like kill him. <laughs> yeah, it was like what the fuck is what the hell? Yeah, it's, it's pretty dark. <laughs> like why we didn't have like do we really need to put that in there? Like what the fuck is going on? Fucking bizarre, man. Yeah, it's it's a kind of a weird movie. It's a very weird movie. I still love it though. I think it's. There's the, I, there's parts of it there is like this is just fantastic I love it and then but that's the thing is like why do they keep getting stuck on this whole like they just have so much material about this mom falling in love with her future son it's like yeah. we get it we get it that, like it's kind of fun like can we move on to something else like it's really weird that that's what you're stuck on yeah yeah cool well that's back to the future back to the future uh I saw the boy. This is not. Which one is this? This is the one with the doll. Oh, okay. This is the one with the doll. So, uh, I I didn't really like this at all, but it did have. It started off interestingly enough. So basically, the uh, if you're unaware, the premise is that this uh, this nanny gets hired to take care of this this boy, but as she finds out, the the boy is not a real boy. It's a doll. And the the parents are going away on holiday, and she it's her job to take care of this doll while they're gone. And they there's like a very specific set of rules that she is to follow. And when she doesn't follow these rules, uh, some things start to uh, happen. Some creepiness. Right. Yeah, remember remember we were talking yeah, about this way when, when this first that. came out. The list of strict rules. Yeah, the list of... It's, like, the rules are, like, she has to wake him up at a certain time. She has to get him dressed at a certain time. She has to uh, read. She has to read to him, like, for a certain amount of time every day. She has to kiss him goodnight every night. It's, like, basic stuff. It's There's nothing really weird about it. Except that he's a doll. But yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, so they leave and she's like, well, fuck this. She just like throws the doll on the bed, pours a glass of wine and hangs out. But then weird stuff starts to happen. And, it, you know, it starts off interesting. There's there's a twist that happens uh, that 
is a twist that occurs in another movie that I saw a couple years ago that you saw as well. And I'm not going to say what that movie is because it'll give, a, give away this movie. It's a, I'll tell you this, though. It's a horror comedy. Oh, boy. It's Australian. Oh, man. So you can probably narrow it down from there. Um, <laughs> that, the, the fact that they introduced that twist, if I didn't see that other movie, I'd probably think, oh, that's kind of cool. But because I did, I was like, oh, I saw this before. So this, <laughs> and it just doesn't, eh, I don't know, it didn't really work for me. But there were a couple, there were a couple jump scares that I, I feel like made me jump. But eh, overall, pretty, pretty lame, pretty lame movie. Mm, that's a bummer. Yeah, that's the boy. I, I mean, I, I'm so happy I got to figure out the list of strict rules, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was that. That was really the main reason I watched this is to, to <laughs> understand the rules. Well, thank you, thank you for watching it. Yeah, and then you know, letting me know about it. Take one for the team. That's what I do. That's what that's that's what we do here at Film Pulse. Yeah, that's what we're all about. Uh, I watched uh, a slightly experimental documentary called "The Pearl Button" by Patricio Guzman. Uh, this is the guy that did Nostalgia for the Light you've ever seen that one which in my eyes is like one of the best documentaries ever made uh pearl button comes close it's it's uh i don't know if intriguing's a strong enough word for what this is uh there's parts of it that feel i mean i gotta be honest parts of it do feel a bit it almost feels like a tv series like it's not that great execution wise uh other parts of it are fantastic execution wise it's just you know, it's one of those like 50-50s where part of it feels like a great oh, documentary. This is unbelievable with his, you know, it's just some of the images that he gets and stuff. And then other portions of it just feel like just straight up by the book documentary style, like, you know, like a TV show. Mm. Like you're watching Travel Channel almost or like the Learning Channel back when they used to play actual things. Um, but it's hard to, because I, I went into this not really knowing anything about it's subject okay so it starts off talking about water and he had, he kind of goes on this idea of like water came from a comet and it you know and that's why it's here and everything that it does and then it starts getting then he kind of goes into this like the tribes of of chile because he's a chilean director um and how they used to travel by by boat and canoes and stuff that they built themselves and they were kind of no one bothered them. No one even knew about them. And then, of course, travelers came along and kind of stopped them from traveling by boat and everything. And then obviously, you know what's going to happen to them, like what happens to all natives. So it kind of travels down that road. And then, so it turns into this, like the history about these people and about them and what they did and all these amazing things. And then they have pictures and stuff. So it, it completely transforms into that kind of documentary. And then it comes back to the the whole water angle. And then it comes back to, you know, he starts to float this notion of like the water holds like the memory of people. And then it gets, and the reason that he gets there is because of the, like the Chilean history with Pinochet and then talking about how they used to just like all the political prisoners and stuff that they killed, they would just fly out in a helicopter and drop them in the ocean. They would tie like a railroad rail around them and then just throw them in the ocean. Yeah. So they go in, you know, they go into that a little bit and to kind of examine that for a while. And then he kind of pulls everything together. It's, it's just really interesting. And it's a really interesting thing to watch 
when you have no idea because the it's as if the subject of the documentary just keeps shifting but then he kind of brings it all together at the end which is very interesting hmm. that's the pearl button pearl button this? this is one you can watch this on netflix it's on there and it's also on uh fandor cool uh, I saw Lucy from 2014, directed by Luc Besson. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend put this on, uh, and I was like, oh, whatever. I was sitting there, so I watched it. Uh, did not like it. Uh, this, is, this was an unfortunate one because it starts off pretty promising, and it gets so ridiculous that you're just like, what is... It felt like... Um, you know what it felt like to me? It felt like an anime. How, like, like in Akira, for instance, where it starts off, you know, kind of crazy, but by the end, you're just like, what is happening? It's just insanity. And that's kind of what happens in Lucy, where, you know, the premise is that there's this new drug that they're able to, uh, like, synthetically create this this hormone or this chemical that is released when a woman gives birth that somehow does something in the body where it like utilizes more of your brain or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scarlett Johansson somehow she, she gets basically roped in and forced to become a mule and they put a whole bag full of this stuff in her stomach surgically. And she gets beat up while in transit to have this stuff extracted. And when she gets beat up, it, the bag breaks and it goes into her body. And she is able to utilize at first, I think 20% of her brain by the end, it's a hundred percent. Obviously it keeps going up. Uh, and she starts to be able to have complete control over her body. Like she can do, she, pretty much becomes a god. She can manipulate the the matter like she can which which gets completely ridiculous. Like she can grow appendages, like she can grow hands, additional hands out of her <laughs> Yeah. She can like there's the scene where she where she she has telekinesis. She, she can like make things float in the air and she so she picks up a pen and then she duplicates that pen so that she creates like multiple pens. And it's like, well, even if you could control 100% of your brain, you would never be able to do that. It, it, but at the same time, this sounds so ridiculous that I kind of want to watch it. Yeah, it gets, it starts off cool. Like I said, when she can control like 20, 30%, she still has the, the telekinesis and she can do stuff like change her hair color and straighten her hair and change her eye color and she she can control pain so like in one scene she gets shot this is very early on when she's like at 20 percent. she gets shot but because she and this to me was at least somewhat believable where if you have full control over your body you would be able to just tell the you know the nerves the nerves in that area to turn off yeah essentially like yeah just be like shut the fuck up yeah so she doesn't feel pain and She's obviously incredibly smart. Like she can use a computer like super fast and learn all this stuff and just soak up all this information. And but then she has like complete control over technology, so she can transmit her like a video feed to any like TV, phone, computer. And it's like, come on now, 
you wouldn't be able to do that. Like that's just <laughs> defying the, the 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 boundaries of that that device. Like you just wouldn't be. It's impossible. So it gets super ridiculous. Starts off interestingly enough, but uh, no, I can't recommend Lucy. It's it's utterly utterly over the top. Oh, although I will say that the 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 main bad guy, the the uh, the villain, is it's old boy. What? Yeah. Troy Min Sick. What? Yeah. He's you he's sold the, you you don't even know, guy. but you just sold the shit out of this movie. Yeah, I like, mean you were, you're like, I, I can't recommend it. And I was like, ah, I kinda interested. And then you tacked on who the bad guy is after you said that you can't recommend it, and you just sold the shit out of it. I will say that it is entertaining. It's it's really just the final act. It's really just the 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 last like the finale where it just gets utterly uh, utterly ridiculous. And there's another part of me that just wants to watch it just to find out why, like in what situation you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to lift this pen up. I'm going to duplicate oh, this pen. Well, it's not a, it's not like a spoiler or anything. She's showing off like, oh, she's just showing at, off. Yeah. At one point, at one point she ends up meeting with, cause she knows that, or she thinks that she's going to die. Like she thinks that this is going to kill her. So what she wants to do is relay this information about you know what the human uh, mind yeah. can do and kind of all of the all of the research like all the the research and stuff she wants to give that to other people so that they can you know build build off of it and so she meets up with a group of scientists the the main one played by Morgan Freeman mm, and she kind you. of is explaining to them everything that the mind can do and all of that stuff and she's as she's explaining it she uses that as an example. Yeah, that's boring. Yeah, so I was hoping it's something cool. At any rate, that's Lucy. Uh, I watched this on HBO Go, so mm, it's on okay. there if you have HBO Go. All right. I think it, uh, yeah, I think I think it was HBO Go. HBO Go. Uh, what I this one that I watched is on Movie right now, Movie USA, uh, which is The Future by Luis Lopez Carrasco. This is like, it's about an hour long, uh, kind of experimental here. Essentially what it is, is a bunch of, it's like set in the 80s, right? So you got all the, you got the 80s look, 80 haircut, 80 hairdo, uh, fashion, whatnot. And it takes place in Spain. And it's just, they're having a party. It's just a bunch of young people with, with their 80s style, having a party, just drinking and dancing, chit-chatting, smoking cigarettes all the cool stuff that cool kids do, like shooting breast milk out of your, your breasts. Um, and so it's just that. It's just them having a party. Shooting breast There's, milk. Just shooting breast milk. Yeah, like it just comes out of nowhere. It's just this extended sequence of her shooting breast milk in people's mouths. Okay. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just odd. Apparently that happens at parties in the 80s in Spain. Um, and the interesting thing about this is there's really no dialogue. You just have... The footage, and I can't remember what it is. It's so terrible, but shot on. It looks like it's shot on film. I'm not sure if it's like 16 millimeter or what it's shot on. But it says 16. Is it okay? Yeah. Um, and there's no dialogue. Occasionally, you can overhear what they're what they're talking about. You know, smattering conversations here and there. Uh, but mostly like with the the I guess you want to call it the narrative, if quote unquote of this film is told through the the music so it's just like this long soundtrack which i gotta say the music is 
unbelievable. It's fantastic. I just, I was really, I wanted to get to the end of the film just to read the credits and write down every single band that I heard because <laughs> it's fantastic. You, I mean, you, I know you would love because it's all 80s stuff. Yeah, it looks like it's, it's, uh, it says they use Spanish post-punk. Yes, and it's Spanish post-punk is amazing. <laughs> I'm interested. Like, it's unbelievable. Um, so that, at, at least that keeps you hooked in because the music is great. And the visuals are pretty, pretty uh, interesting throughout. Um, it gets a little tiresome because it is just people dancing. And it's just mu- like, I know, but it's only it's only like an hour long. So it's not like it goes on and on and on forever. Um, but it is interesting to see that like the the music itself is kind of talking about what's what's going to happen to them in the future. Like what's ahead of them that they don't know about because mm. they're just they're having a good time, having a party, getting that breast milk. And they don't realize like the, the shit show that is going to be from, you know, from after that point in time and into the future. So it's like a light, light recommend. Okay, and that's the future available now on Mubi. Uh, the, the final one that I'll mention is a, it's a hearty recommend, and that's Uh-oh. Green Room. Oh boy, that's right. Uh, directed by Jeremy Saulnier. I, I have a review for this. It's not up yet. Probably by the time you listen to this, though, it, it's, it'll be published. Um, I wrote it. I just need to edit it. Uh, so I loved Blue Ruin. I was a huge, enormous fan of that. And this, this one, uh, I, I, it, I don't think I liked this more or less. I think it's pretty much on the same level uh, as, as Blue Ruin. So basically the, the premise of this is that it's a, it's a punk band. They're driving, touring, basically. And they're, they're, the venue that they were going to play at cancels. And so they end up playing in this like restaurant. And they get basically no money from it. So they're pretty much broke. And the guy who organized the that show for them says, "Well, hey, um, I might have this other venue you can play. Uh, it's it's like on your way. My cousin is involved with it, and he can he can set you up." So they go play this venue, and it turns out that it's like basically a neo-Nazi compound. Uh, and they they play the show afterwards. They are getting ready to leave, and um. The one girl in the band, played by Leah Shawcat, says, oh, I forgot my phone. They go into the green room to grab the phone, and they happen to see or witness a murder take place. Uh, turns out one of the neo-Nazis killed somebody, and they, they saw it. As a result, they are then essentially hunted by these, this neo-Nazi group in this kind of club, and they have to survive. Uh, very simple premise, but it is by no means... A simple film it's really the focus is on the tension i mean this is this is a thriller through and through i mean it is intense it is an intense movie as soon as they see that murder it i mean it the the pace just it goes through the roof and you're just like holy shit what is going what is going on here but it's very deliberate it's not like you know balls to the wall the raid or anything like that it's it's <laughs> very deliberately paced it's very much like Blue Ruin in that respect. Um, another thing that makes it similar to Blue Ruin is the level of violence and the depiction of violence, where it's, it's not glorified, but it is extreme in that it looks so real that it is cringeworthy. 
it is unbelievable in this. Like I saw this in a in a fairly packed theater, and there were multiple audible gasps coming from the audience. Where it is it is so intense. Some of the stuff that you see in this movie, and, and one of the main reasons is because it looks so real that you're just like, oh my god, did they actually do that? Did they do that when they were filming it just to add to the realism? Did you know that was that was the one thing that I, that that helps set apart Blue Ruin is that the, oh, yeah. the, the violence and the that injuries in, that initial stabbing yeah you're just like oh my god and then the whole arrow thing because you're like oh, you can't you can't just take that out dude. yep and he couldn't and <laughs> <laughs> the, the best part I appreciated that so much that they take the time to just like let's put the movie on pause he's gonna go <laughs> to a drugstore he's gonna get the stuff and he's gonna try and take care of this himself. Because, you know, most movies, just like the guy gets home and he has, you know, this ridiculous array of all these tools and shit. And it's just like, no one has that. Why do, like, where did he get this? And then he just like pops out and he's like, and he does surgery and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yep. So Patrick Stewart plays the lead villain, the head neo-Nazi. Really interesting casting choice with that. But it worked. I mean, it completely worked. He was an evil son of a bitch in this movie. Um, the the main, I would say the the lead is Anton Yelkin, who, if you've ever seen Anton Yelkin in anything, you probably wouldn't imagine him as being in a punk band, but it somehow worked. Uh, Mark <laughs> Weber's in it. I like Mark Weber a lot. He plays uh, sort of one of the skinheads also. And um, Macon Blair is in it, of course. Yes. Macon, Macon Blair also plays a skinhead and he's amazing in it. And I, he was probably my favorite character in the whole movie because he's awesome. Hmm. So, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, it's just, it's a fantastic movie. Edge of your seat thrill ride. Oh boy. It, just, just know that it is very violent going into it. It's not like it's like wall to wall blood and gore, but it's when, when the violence does happen, it is very extreme and intense and yeah. cringeworthy. I, le- I always like when you slide into Peter Travers mood. <laughs> well, I did that on purpose. <laughs> I know. That's why I like that. <laughs> I like when you do that. It's fun. I would say that, that Jeremy Saulnier has a, a very promising career ahead of him. And I would say that my guess will be that his next movie is going to be a big, it's, it'll be a big one. Cause I guarantee the studios are going to grab this guy up. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm wondering. Like his next movie is going to be a Marvel movie, right? Because this movie, this movie like Blue Ruin, it's very small scale. I mean, this is largely set in one location. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know the budget, but it's it's a small movie. I want to know it's like, great, but what, it's what portion of that budget goes to just Patrick Stewart's check? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? It, this seems like a this seems like sort of a passion project and my guess is that no one got paid a whole lot to be in this but yeah i'm sure that that uh patrick stewart probably got the biggest check out of anyone and that's okay that's all right yeah well yeah but yeah uh, this is playing in new york and la right now highly recommend it whenever it comes to a theater near you or on vod or anything i don't know what the the status is going to be but seek this one out please it is it is so good. It'll probably be on my top 10 at the end of the year. Oh, uh, boy. I loved it. I loved Watch it. Watch out. Green room. Oh, God, I'm done. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into some predictions. Last week, the Jungle Book. 
You said 86, I said 88, actual 95. Damn, it's not that good. Oh, boy. I agree that it's not that good. I agree it's good, but 95 is... Come on. People must have... I think people just must have been in awe of the the VFX. Yeah. I mean, I guess... Because it's always tough when you're dealing with kids' movies. Because I did realize, like, afterwards, I was like, damn, I wish I took my nephew to that. Yeah. I think he would have really liked it. Oh, yeah. If I was a kid, that movie would be I would have been all over that shit. Yeah. That would have been on, like, my top three of all time list. Yeah. I probably would have been in love with that movie if I I was a kid. Also, has Bare Necessities been stuck in your head ever since? Yep. Absolutely. Fucking can't get it out. Plus, I still (laughs) want runs. I didn't get runs. Didn't get your runs. (laughs) I didn't get my runs yet, man. Need them. Criminal. You said 32, I said 24, actual 25. Oh, boy. Yeah, so apparently that's not too good. Doesn't look good anyway. Barbershop, the next cut. You said 68, I said 46, actual 92. Damn. Yeah. So apparently this Barbershop movie, is the, what is this, the third one? Yeah. Apparently it's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch Barbershop movies. That, yeah, they, I, I mean, I, they have I, a bunch of people I missed... that I like. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, they, they never appealed to me, but apparently I'm just I'm missing something here because this one, I guess, is quite good. I, I don't know. I might have to check these out. Yeah. And finally, Green Room. You said 77. I said 82. Actual 89. Yeah. All right. Yep. Yeah. Good. I'm glad people are liking that one, and I hope it's very successful. Next week, we have The Huntsman Winter's War. <laughs> it's always a war. Doesn't matter this what. movie looks so awful to me. Have you seen the trailers for this? No. God, it just looks so terrible. I, I don't understand how. There's so many good people in this, too. And I, I don't understand why they're being taking part <laughs> in this. Being subjected to this. Uh, what are you thinking on Huntsman Winner's War? Uh, 44. All right. I will say 52. Uh, I think that's the only wide release next week. Pretty sure that's that's the uh, the go. only one that I see. We also have in limited release Elvis and Nixon. It's one with Michael Shannon and Kevin Spacey as uh, Elvis Presley and Richard Nixon. Seems like a really odd one. It's just why. That's another one that's at at Tribeca, but coming out like right around the same time. Tale of Tales. This is the one that's um, it's like three interwoven fairy tales oh is this the one with the it's the one with john c Riley and selma hayek oh the one directed by the guy that mateo garon i think yes yes yeah i'm interested in this one me too looks looks uh it's it looks very dark like it looks like it's gonna be uh it looks like it's uh almost looks like a guillermo del toro movie actually uh a hologram for the king that's yet another Tribeca one that's going to be really quick turnaround time. That's the one with Tom Hanks. Doesn't look very good to me. Uh, the Meddler. Uh, no, that one doesn't appeal to me either. Men and Chicken. Yes. That one I am interested in very, very much. Mads Mikkelsen looks like a real goofball comedy. Uh, Precious Cargo. Hockney. Holidays, which you can see now on VOD. And Nina. Is that the shitty. I mean, it's some, yeah, it is. Ugh. What, the biopic? Yeah. 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 Hey, and I'm, I don't know where you're getting your 
what's coming out in theaters. I'm on Rotten Tomatoes. Look, that's where, yeah, that's where I got. Okay, me. I love the the poster for how to let go of the world. Oh, that's the new. Things. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mention that because of the extremely long title, but that's by by Josh Fox, the guy who did um, Gas. Oh yeah, but my God, they didn't put any thought into that poster. Again, that's yet another Tribeca one that's getting a really quick turnaround time. That's screening at Tribeca. I was get yeah, I, I was gonna put that on my list, but I don't think I'm going. It to doesn't since... look like a real movie. Yeah, it looks it looks kind of doesn't look great, honestly. But you know, whatever. Next week on VOD, all I have listed here is the uh, a movie called Assassin, which is a Danny Dyer movie. Okay. All of you. Uh, UK listeners or people that are into UK movies will know who Danny Dyer is because he's in everything. And I, I would like to know if, if there are any UK listeners out there, I want to know how he is received in the UK, like what, what the perception of him is. Because I have a feeling that he's like the Nicolas Cage of the UK. Because he's in so much stuff and you yeah. think that he's like really famous, but I think that he's like infamous. Or something. Hmm. He's just he's in so much, but a lot of it is really bad. It'd be funny if you know you threw that question out there, and it'd be funny if the response from UK is just like, "Who? You, yeah. about? you know who I'm talking about, though, right? Danny Dyer. I think he was in. Um, he was in Green Street Hooligans, I believe. Yeah, was that him? He was in one of those uh, football hooligan movies, but he was in like uh, Severance. He's in a bunch of stuff. Anyway, Assassin is one with him. Looks pretty bad. And then uh, Tale of Tales. Assassin comes out on Tuesday. Tale of Tales comes out on Friday. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd say check out Tale of Tales because it looks, looks kind of interesting. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be any good or not. Next week on Blu-ray, we have The Revenant. We have Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2's getting a, a re-release. That's a Scream Factory, so check that out. Uh, Arrow Video is releasing The Stuff from 1985. Can't get enough of that stuff. I love that movie so much. Uh, Dangerous Men. That's the Drafthouse Films one that came, that uh, was like the, what did it take him, like 20 years to make this movie or whatever? And it, I, I wanted to see that, but I never got around would, to it. So. I would like to point out, I don't think anything's coming out next week, so I think our next week's show should be The Stuff. I would love to to see what Arrow does to that. I think we should just cover the stuff. That's what we should do. I think we've talked about it quite a bit on this show. And we'll talk about it again. Oh, we'll, we'll always talk about the stuff. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, the Lady in the Van. Oh my God. Drunk Stone, Brilliant Dead. That's the National Lampoon documentary. Uh, Norm of the North. That's that terrible animated film that got a, I think it got a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and that's, uh, looks like that's pretty much it. Oh, there's a th- Theory of Obscurity, which is that documentary about the residents. Well, I, I still don't really, I'm not really familiar with the residents. I know there probably should be, but... Yeah, it should. Either. It's okay. It seems like a group that you would be into. I probably am, and just don't know it yet. I'll check them out. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much all I got for Blu-ray. Fifty Shades yeah. of Black. But yeah. what do we got on the Criterion front? Oh man, we got a box set. Watch out, nineties, nineties, America Cinema. Got uh, Wood Stillman. 
watch out. So you get getting Last Days of Disco from 1998. Got Barcelona from 1994. And Metropolitan from 1990. All of them coming out on Criterion Blu-ray. Criterion Blu-ray. They're, uh, they're also releasing those individually because I sent you Barcelona. So Oh, I, get, I know, which is so weird. I don't know. Who, I don't know. Oh, That's yeah. a conversation for off air, but... <laughs> who wanted that? I'm sending it to you because I'm, I'll be completely slammed with... I know, I mean, I've always, stuff. I've always heard good things, especially the last days of disco. I've always heard good things about, and even Metropolitan to a certain extent. But I haven't heard anything about Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fully aware of last days of disco just because I remember when that came out. And uh, it was, was that? No, that wasn't Dogma 95, was it? No, I don't think so. I remember it, though. Like, I remember seeing trailers and stuff for that. But, nah, whatever. Uh, Alright, I think that that is going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send your topics and questions to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber for Kevin Rakestraw. My name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Thank you.